0: I'm impressed how much information can come out of the 33rd chapter of Exodus. Uh, Those of us that had a uh, pre-advisory that we may have a responsibility to have a service, uh, I'm sure the other brothers read it several times. I've actually seen some things in it that I had not noticed before. Brother Matt did a fine job introducing us to this uh, chapter last evening. And I would like to choose... He started with verse 12, I believe. And I'd like to go actually into the preceding chapter, which is 32, and read 33 up to verse 12 and see how the Lord leads us in the meditation. So... Let me say it more simply. We're going to start in Exodus 32 with verse 19 and go right into 33 to verse 12. And it came to pass, as he came nigh unto the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands And break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in a fire, and ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said unto Aaron, what did these people unto thee that thou hast brought them so great that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot: thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, make us gods which shall go before us, for as for this Moses the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. And they gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out a calf. And Moses, and when Moses saw that the people were naked, For Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from the gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. And Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Even every man... "'upon his son and upon his brother, "'that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. "'And it came to pass on the morrow "'that Moses said unto the people, "'Ye have sinned a great sin. "'And now I will go up unto the Lord peradventure. "'I will make an atonement for your sin.' "'And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, "'Oh, this people have sinned a great sin.' And have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt, forgive their sin. And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now, lead the people. Unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee, behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people, because they made the calf which Aaron made. 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt into the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people." lest I consume thee in the way. When the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man put on his ornaments. And the Lord said unto him, excuse me, for the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore, now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, and all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door, and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended. And stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but the servant His servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Oh, isn't human nature the same? God must have really, and of course he did, he knows everything before it even happens. When he made man, he probably figured out, for all the generations that this greatest, highest creature of all my creation is going to be foolish beyond description. And isn't it interesting, and I'm going to look at a couple of characters in in this, how that that sin, however grave or however mild it might seem to us, but you see, God is not that discriminating. He simply says, all unrighteousness is sin. But the cover-up of sin... It's probably harder on the person that does it, certainly, than, than God who's offended by it because God expects him to do that. Brother uh, Betts years ago, uh, Tony Betts, he, he had a little trouble with the English language. and He was talking once about, about people carrying grudges, and, and he said, it's, it's, it's really hard to carry a grouch. Well, he was right on the mark. He just used the wrong word. The difficulty, the burden is on the person that's carrying it. Did you ever stop to think that that the person that may have offended you probably isn't nearly, doesn't feel nearly as out of place as you do every day since that occurred? And so the devil really wins. The other person doesn't understand, perhaps, that he or she offended, but the devil wins because he's making your life miserable for every day afterwards until the two of you get together and make it right. And, and that's, that's mild, loved ones, when we're talking about what really happened here. We have to remember that, that Moses and Joshua, Joshua was his right-hand man, young man, like that, oh, I'm almost as old as Moses was when he saw the burning bush, and I'm awful glad when a, when a young man is willing to stand up and say, I'll, I'll go with you, Opa, when you when, when you go to the pulpit tonight, because Dad is not here. But the young man went with Moses part way up on the Mount Horeb. And there the, tabern- the, the the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, were etched by the finger of God himself. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he and, and the man Moses conferred together about these people. And as they descended, and that's where we, we started here, uh, and Joshua was the first to get down, I suppose that's understandable for me, at least it is. Uh, Moses was probably slower by then. And, and he said, what's this noise I hear? Oh, loved ones. There are people here who, who, who just are hoping and pray. There are probably some young kids around here who are just hoping and praying that they are not found out. And, and the noise that uh, Joshua was hearing was these people who sinned a gross sin before God, abject idolatry if there ever was some, and so uh, live it up and, 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 and shout it out. At least that covers up what probably is already in our soul giving us a bit of trouble. Got some folks like that here tonight, probably. Anyway, Moses was furious. And I, and, and I want to talk about uh, Moses. Moses had a short fuse. He really did. Uh, and I guess if, if I'd have been a leader of these people, mine wouldn't have been much longer than his either. And he had put through a lot of difficult times And months and perhaps years uh, with with these people. And God didn't have to say to Moses they were stiff-necked. Moses knew that already. And Moses was furious. And he realized the severity of this. And one of the things that I had not noticed before in Exodus 32 is what Moses did. And maybe you caught it. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe not. Maybe I just read too superfluously. Uh, chapter 32, the last time I did it. He took the calf which they made and burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it or scattered it upon some water that was there and said, Drink it. Well, I'm sure there were some Israelites who have a squeamish stomach like I do. And if, if there's anything really distasteful to me, it's the fact that I have to drink something that just doesn't taste like good, cool spring water. Uh, I, I once had an upper GI series, and you have to drink this, this miserable stuff. You think they picked up at a chalkboard somewhere. And, and, and so I have my big glass, and, and the lady that was taking the pictures, uh, she, she, she said, oh, Freud. How do you, you pronounce it? Oh, she said, that's like Freud with an N. And then she starts about Sigmund Freud. And I'm, I'm trying, lady, please just take the picture or you're going to get this back and not in a glass. And I wonder how many people, how many of those Israelites would have and probably did vomit up that gold that they swallowed in the water. And there's another parallel to that in this room tonight. And I don't know who you are, but God does. In your belly, in in, in the inner parts of you, is something you'd like to vomit up. But you're not ready to do that yet. Isn't that too bad? That people would choose to be sick when they could be made well. Oh, I remember when our babies were little. This is probably ancient history already in in the medical field. But uh, when, when the babies had an upset stomach, Mama had uh, something called Paragoric. I don't know what it is. I only know it's terrible. And she said, you know what? If it's good for the kids, it's good for their father. Uh, just take, take a spoonful of this stuff and, and take it. And she, she knew what kind of a stomach I had. And I, I, I made a mistake. I smelled it first. And I thought, well, you know, take it, okay? And with a tumbler of cool water, that's probably okay. I took it, right? I can honestly say, oh, and then, of course, it didn't work. So she said, "Uh, Daddy, did you take the Paragoric? I said, yeah. She said, did you take it straight? Oh, no. She said, here's another teaspoonful. (laughs) Loved ones, if we're going to get a cure of the bellyache that sin causes us, we need to take God's remedies straight. Not watered down, not uh, fancied up, not given different names, but take it straight right from the Father's table. of of apothecary table. And then we go down here to to, to Aaron. I thought, oh, man, Uh, if he would be living today, he'd probably be in the political arena. Here is one who, who was really supposed to mind the store while Moses was up conferring with God. He had a job to do to lead the people. And he had a job to keep them on the straight and narrow till Moses got back. And he failed in his job because he listened to the people. Our country, loved ones, is failing to stay on track because leadership is missing, and certain people and and their lobbyists and whoever else they might be are really uh, the puppeteer that's pulling the strings. There are parents. They're afraid if they are really parents and not buddies to their children, their children will somehow be damaged in their, in their rearing or something. I, I hope that, that, that my sons uh, knew I was their friend, but he, they, they surely knew that I was their father. And went into a, a, a restaurant uh, quite a, some time ago and... Uh, father and mother, lovely family with a little four-year-old boy. I don't know how many times they read him the menu trying to get him to decide what he wanted to eat. Well, about the second time, Ryan and I said, sport, here's a hot dog. What do you want on it? You know, we're not able, as Aaron was not able, to live up to the responsibilities that, 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 that were given him. I mean, you know what? When when I read uh, verse 24, I almost chuckled. Uh, You know, listen to this again, will you please? And then it's going to hit home because we do that too. Uh, You know, my grandpa was very, very poor, but he had a white fence. He just liked a white fence. But you know what he painted it with? Lime and water. That's a whitewash job. You know how long that fence was nice? Till the first rainstorm came. That's what people do with sin. They whitewash it. And they say, well, I'm not as bad as the other guy or the other gal right around the corner. I'd never do that. Well, you haven't yet, but you probably will. Because the devil's going to pull your strings in a way that you can't believe will ever bring you down. But this is what Aaron said. Can you believe? Yeah, you can believe it. It's the word of God. He's, he's, he's now confessing. And he said, you know, brother? Well, he actually called him Lord. He called his brother Lord. I never did that. Called my brother Lord. But he did. And I suppose that I was never uh, felt as guilty as, as this fellow felt uh, about what he was supposed to do. His brother commissioned him to do. But the interesting thing is, he said, you know, these folks, let me tell you what they made me do. They, 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 they said, Moses, you, you weren't coming back anymore. After all, 40 days isn't that long, but... Obviously, they thought it was. At least it was time for them to make their move. They weren't satisfied with the way God was leading with Moses. And I said unto them, okay, any of you that have some gold, let me, let me have it, and I'll see what I can do. Listen to the rest of that verse. And they, so they gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out a calf. Yes, sir. The old cliche, the devil made me do it. I'm not really responsible for this because the devil made me do it. And actually, without Christ, that's true. But how long are you going to blame the devil for it? You see, we can, we can be freed from the bondage of sin. We can, uh, the, cha- the, the, the strings that the puppeteer has on his, whatever that little thing is that he pulls lots of strings with, they can be cut, and they can be cut for good. Maybe some people like to dance when he fiddles. I don't know. But here is one who actually wanted to have his brother believe he just pitched some gold in the fire and out walked a calf. Well, Moses was smarter than that too. Anyway, to make those stories short, Moses was filled with anger. And I want to contrast that with God in a little bit. It was done very well last night, and I just want to remind you of it. Moses' wrath was kindled here. And as happens so often in the Old Testament, when, when the children of Israel disobeyed, there was bloodshed. And there was in this particular case, too. Yet God made a promise, and He said Tomorrow, tell the people ye have sinned a great sin. And now I will will go, Moses said, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure, I shall make an atonement for your sin. And you know, this is an atonement that is something that is as Christ-like as anything I have ever read in the book. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, he he, he says to God, and, and then there's a pause here in this verse. And, and the punctuation means something to me. And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of my book, which thou hast, thy book which thou hast written. Can you believe someone would have that much love for, 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 for his best friend, much less a bunch of stiff-necked people that couldn't even behave for 40 days and 40 nights, that he would be willing to have his name blotted out for the sake of them. Oh, loved ones, there are parents in this room tonight who would gladly do that for wayward sons and daughters. There's a wife in this room tonight, perhaps, that would uh, gladly uh, do that for her wayward husband or vice versa. But you see, God is, is, is righteous but, but just. And only one person can pay for your sin. If you stay in it, it's you. And if you choose to rise above it, the price has already been paid. And it's the Lord, of course. God said, I- I'm not going to go with you anymore. Uh, I- I've had enough of this traveling with you folks. Uh, and so I'm going to tell you, Moses, where to take them, where the next bivouac was, where, where they were going to stop. And then you take it from there. But I will send an angel an angel, actually. And that's when the cloud and the, filled the tabernacle. I found it interesting that Moses took the tabernacle out of the camp a great distance. Mm. What does that say to you? The tabernacle was a place where people were going to meet God. And this, the verses that we read said, you know, the the, the people were ready to do that, but they were really, uh, it it was a tedious thing for them, so they decided we'll stay far enough away, and so we'll worship God at our own tent door. The only one who didn't do that was Moses and the young man, Joshua, who was his right-hand man. And an interesting thing happened. Moses went in, and the cloud uh, filled the place, and Moses conversed with God and Joshua. The last verse we read, Joshua, excuse me, I, I want to read it. By the way, the, pillar, the, the people saw the cloudy pillar uh, stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. Oh, this is beautiful. And the Lord spake to Moses face to face. As a man speaketh to his friend, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of uh, of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Do you know, this this verse just, just, just floored me. Moses... And, and, and the fact that God would speak to Moses friend to friend as he did, and, and actually Moses changed his, God's mind about what he was going to do with the people, and God forgave him. And, you know, those of us that have counseled souls and, 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 and some really in desperate straits, and we talk about the glory of God, uh, Brother Doug shared with us, I, I think it might have been in our teacher's session, how that he was... Um, Uh, Counseling a dying man and how glad he was that he could say to this man who had lived a horrible life that God can forgive you. Oh, Brother Doug, I I, I appreciate your saying that. Uh, Maybe you ought to add it to it. And and he wants to do that. God not only can forgive you. Wrong inflection of, of the wrong word. God not only can forgive you, but God wants to. And there, I, I've been in counseling sessions with people at camps in the past. I remember a beautiful young lady who, who made me do something I never, ever would have done before. We were at a different camp where we had places where we could counsel together, always with the lights on. And the first thing she said, Brother Bob, you, you got to turn that light. I said, I don't turn lights out. I, I don't want to have any... At all, any appearance of evil, the light stays on. And she she wept bitterly. She said, I cannot face you, and I can't have you look upon me when I tell you what I have done. And I hit the light switch. And what came out of that beautiful, broken, sinful young woman was something Hollywood would write a a movie about. And it would be X-rated, maybe two Xs. And I think uh, when we turned the lights back on, I I said, you know, uh, young lady, God can and wants to forgive you for this. You know what she said to me? She said, Brother Bob, I know that. And I thought, what are we doing in this room? If she really knows that God can do that. Oh, it was her next statement that just broke my heart. She said, but I can never forgive myself. I'm not worried that God can't forgive me. I can't forgive myself. And I'm thankful that I could say to her, only when, when, when God forgives, God forgets. Oh, the scars may remain. I'm not suggesting there aren't some scars that you need to tend with, but you can forgive yourself. And I watched as she was born again and a um, handsome young brother came along and have a lovely family and no one would ever dream that was the beginning of this person's life. And so, young men, Joshua, the young man, came and stayed in the tabernacle. Oh, that warmed my heart. Uh, when when uh, Peter Goika, dear brother Peter and sister Anna down in Florida, heard that Timothy, our grandson, had, uh, had found peace with God and was going to share his testimony, I, I, I wondered how they might react to that. Timothy's 14 years old. And the first thing Peter said to me when when we walked up, oh, he said, I'm so thankful that Timothy could come to the Lord at 14. Not everybody should be 74 like me. Isn't it interesting? But there are those who will say, uh, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that someday. When God, excuse me, when the devil... First, convinced me about God, actually. I I have to tell you, I'm trying to shorten it, and I can't, so I'll take an extra minute. Came to the point where uh, every time the church doors were open, we hopped in the old 1940 Chrysler that was still running and went to church. Came home for lunch, went back to church, and I decided, you know, one sermon in the morning, that's plenty for me. Uh, and, and so I simply didn't get in the Chrysler on a particular Sunday, and neither my mother or father dragged me in. Or, I think of the German word, schimpf me. Uh, what's the word? See, you forgot too. <laughs> uh, prodded me, prodded me uh, to, to get in the, in, in the car. I thought, Man, I made it. That's the first hurdle, you know. Uh, I, I assumed they didn't care. Oh, of course they care. And believe it or not, my, my best friend and my partner in some limited amount of crime, I mean like uh, throwing a pumpkin out on a highway at Halloween or something, that was the worst of it all. Oh, you laughed. That was the worst of it all. But he was the youngest son of the preacher in the Massfield Church. So I thought, actually, if, if uh, what can you do? Anything wrong with the preacher's son? Oh, don't ask me to tell you. You really can. The devil will figure it out if you can't. And I remember Jim had gone uh, back to his, he walked about three miles to his house. And I was up in our barn. And I'm walking down the stairway from the the loft uh, at the top. And I heard somebody call my name. I literally heard somebody call my name. And there wasn't a soul there. That's the first time I experienced the glory of God. And I stood in, in, in about the middle of that staircase and, and think, and the first thing that came to mind was, nobody's home. Nobody's home. And then the story of Samuel that we learned in Sunday school, the young lad uh, came to Eli and he said, you, you called. And Eli realized God called. That's the story that immediately fixed itself in my mind, in my heart. And you know, You know, the devil stood on the same tread that I was on. He said, you know what? That was really God, man. That that was God. You're not hallucinating. That was the voice of God. And someday, you really, you really have to yield to that voice. Someday. Someday. When is that someday? I'm going to read something to you in closing. And I don't believe in theatrics, but I want you to do something when I read it. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think on these words. The Spirit called. Somehow I knew the voice from heaven came. It beckoned me to come and claim what God had done in Jesus' name. But I was young and life was filled with foolishness and youthful play. Not now, I said, and quickly turned the messenger of God away. The years passed quickly by, each bringing more and more to do, each moment filled with many tasks that needed done. Before I'm through, God called again. I quickly answered, Here am I. He called to me that day, but I sought neither grace nor help and sent the messenger of God away. With scarcely time to concentrate on things that must be done, it seemed I couldn't finish all before the setting of the sun. The whole world seemed to rest on these shoulders I possess. There wasn't time for soulful things that caused my weary heart distress. The golden years came into view just when I thought work had no end, My tired mind and weary soul embraced them as a long-lost friend. Now is the time to reap the fruit that years of labor wrought for me. The good times others talked about, the time I never thought I'd see. Then came a voice, familiar now, that called so many times before. Annoyed a bit, I heard him plead with me to seek the kingdom's door, Just when I'm free to follow dreams long years have held at bay, again I answered, Here am I. Please call on me some other day. Now I am old and quite alone, too frail to follow cherished dreams. My loved ones, busy with their lives, don't care for me at all, it seems. I wait in silent solitude to once more hear the Savior's call. It's been so long since last I heard, I worry he won't call at all. With deep regret and hopelessness, I wonder what each day will bring, or if my fate will always be to cope with pain and suffering. But most of all, I live in fear I'll die among the lost, because I answered, here am I, but never realized the cost. Remember now, thy creator, in the days of thy youth, when the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them.